Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, what are we going to do today? I'll tell you what, we have uh, the last couple weeks especially been talking about um, taking authority over those things that have been dogging on tracks a little bit. Come on now. And uh, we have, uh, this year, have been focusing quite a bit on um, um, a year of empowerment. And um, that's what the Spirit of God gave us at the beginning of the year. This was a year of empowerment, a year of growth and development. And so the last couple of weeks here, I've been talking some things that uh, actually started a few weeks ago when uh, Brother Webb was here with us. And uh, some things that he started sharing and all of a sudden opened some up, some things up in me and uh, I've been sharing it ever since. And um, to be honest, um, I was telling my wife this morning, um, it, it gets, gets kind of hard because I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose because there's just so much that is, uh, you know, is pouring out. And, uh, but I have to be uh, uh, content with just uh, taking nice, easy steps when it comes time to the service. So that's what we'll do again today. So with that said, we're going to kind of open up our, our main text, and it's out of Mark 4, please. Go to Mark 4. Hallelujah. Y'all doing good? Mark 4. And we're going to go to verse 35 again. It says this. It says, um, verse 35, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, what, what are they called to do? Not, not a real deep instruction, just a simple instruction. Let's get from this place over to that place. Let's go that way. That's basically all it was, okay? So obviously, okay, he gives the instructions, and then the word's pretty clear here that he went, found a pillow, fell asleep, and decided he was going to sleep on the way over. Sometimes he decides to walk over. But this time, he made a decision he wanted to take a nap on the way over. Are you still with me? All right. So he gave them instruction. This is what we do. Now, when they had left uh, the multitude, uh, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm. Everybody say great. great. A great windstorm. Now, the word great there is the word mega, so where we get our word mega. Okay, so a great mega windstorm arose. Now, obviously, we're finding out here that it wasn't just a normal uh, you know, normal air currents. This was something that happened that obviously was in, demonically inspired. And uh, so anyway, a great windstorm arose, and the waves then beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, why was the waves beating in the boat? Because the wind, right? There was a great windstorm. So all of a sudden, you got some big waves, and, uh, and now it's crashing into the boat, filling the boat up, all right? The Word says this, uh, and he, uh, talking about Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him. Now, it just seemed kind of amazing, doesn't it? I mean, he must be a pretty sound sleeper. I don't know, it's just a thought. Anyway, uh, maybe he was pretty tired. I mean, it probably was. Whole day of ministry and everything that went on earlier that day, and, and uh, so he's tired, he's asleep, but uh, he, in, you know, he instructed the boys, listen, guys, we're going to the other side. So get in the boat, we'll go to the other side. All right, that's all he needed for instructions. 
Well, this windstorm arises, all right. So they awake him, and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, a lot of times, you know, you say stupid stuff when you're fearful. Has anybody ever done that? Got a little fearful, and then all of a sudden that, you know, we just end up saying something we wish we wouldn't have said, embarrassed ourselves or whatever. Uh, but this is pretty, uh, pretty much a dumb statement because how many know he does care? Come on, somebody. He's not, uh, uh, you know, he's not, uh, you know, somebody that, that has no care for these uh, men. Uh, so we know that's not true, but uh, he's still sleeping, and uh, he was expecting them to handle it. <clears throat> All right. All right. Verse 39. And he arose then, and what did he do? He rebuked the wind. All right. And then he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Uh, Cross-reference might say hush. Uh, mine says actually to hush. All right. So uh, in other words, he first speaks to the wind, amen, which was the source of the problem. Am I right? He spoke to the wind. All right. Then co commanded the, the, the sea then to calm down, settle down, and it did. And the word is very clear that a, the wind ceased, and then all of a sudden there was a great Calm, that same word. So it went from a great windstorm to a great calm. So you can imagine this is probably going to probably, you know, jar your thinking a little bit. Going to wake you up in a sense. Uh, you know, you're all of a sudden, everything's going ballistic, and the next thing you know, everything just stops. So it's pretty obvious that what he did made a difference. Let me try this side. It's pretty obvious that what he did made a difference. It's pretty obvious that what he did made a difference. A little better. All right. Praise the Lord. So you'd think they, you know, woo, way to go, Jesus. You know. What's the next verse? Give me for verse 40. But Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful? Well, they would say, well, duh. There's a mega windstorm that was going on. Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? Now, I don't think he just said that because he was mad that he woke him up. I mean, you know, Maybe some of us, if we got woke up in the middle of our nap, we'd probably be grumpy. But I don't think he said it because he was grumpy. I, said he, I think he said it because he's asking them, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you handle it? I told you, let's get to the other side. And up to this point, they'd already had some instruction. They'd have already been hearing words. And you can't say, you can't ask them, how is it you have no faith when the opportunity to have faith was there? Are you with me? So in other words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So they had already up to this point been hearing things, seeing things, experiencing things. Amen. And what he's trying to say is, listen, you've been around it enough already to know you could have handled this. Are you still with me? So what was the difference between what he did and what they did? Not a hard question. What did he do versus what they did? Now, we know all they did was panic. Now, I guarantee you, in panic mode, they probably called out to God. 
And when that didn't work, they went and woke him up. Are you with me? I'm serious. Okay. So they're, they're panicking, but how many know just calling out to God isn't going to necessarily shift everything? In this particular case, they had to use their authority, their dominion, amen, is what Jesus did. He stands up and he rebukes the wind, the source of the problem. Still with me? Now, how many know Jesus didn't rebuke every time the wind came up? But this particular time, it obviously was something demonic. He dealt with it and it stopped. So what did he do to make it stop? He spoke to it. He rebuked it. Come on. He took authority over it. All right? So he's saying that what the difference between what I just did and what you did is I spoke to it and commanded the problem, the source of the problem, to be done. Amen. The word rebuke, okay? It's key word because of everything that we're talking about. The word rebuke, again, means to tax upon, to censor, to admonish, to forbid, or to straightly charge. Okay, so I took some time, looked at all these words, and it's all important, okay? The word to tax upon refers to literally to stir oneself and then extend oneself. One of the, one of the definitions of that literally means to put one's best foot forward. You say, well, what's that have to do with it? It means get up and do something. Apply yourself here. Don't just sit here and bellyache and moan and groan and boo-hoo. Apply yourself toward this thing. Deal with this thing. Sometimes, you know, we, we go along, and I'm talking to a word-faith church. I thought I'd get some movement out of that. Maybe I'm talking to the first church of the Frigidaire here today. <laughs> Who am I talking to today? A word church. Victory church. So you've been taught from this pulpit how to stand your ground, how to make your confessions of faith from the Word of God and get things done. Come on, somebody. I ain't talking to a bunch of people that don't know any of this, right? There might be a few of you in here, but you're going to learn a lot today. Anyway, the point is, all right, many times we go along and we make our confessions of faith, come on, and not see the results we want to see, and we have a tendency to just beat the dead horse, so to speak. Is that a Godfather thing or something? I don't know. What is that? Where did that even come from, that phrase? I don't, maybe I should leave that one alone. I may not want to know where it came from. But anyway, we have a tendency sometimes to just spin our wheels, to bail the water, come on, instead of deal with the problem. So he's trying to say, listen, you might be amazed at how much your confession of faith will begin to work if you first deal with the problem. Are you with me? Now, not always is there a spirit behind everything, and Jesus proves that. The next bit of the story we're going to read here is he had to deal with the spirit, but he didn't always have to deal with the spirit. Sometimes he just spoke to their body. Sometimes he spoke to them personally and said, get up, take up your bed and walk. Sometimes he walked on the water. Sometimes he slept in the boat. Come on, somebody. But when the need arose, amen, hallelujah, to deal with something, he got a Johnny on the spot and dealt with it. 
Come on now. Now, what he's trying to say and what we're trying to do through this series is to stir you, amen, to deal with the problems. Some things that are ongoing, chronic, or carry on on a consistent basis, there's usually a spirit behind it. Thank you for all that enthusiasm today. There's usually a spirit behind it. So you're sitting here making your confessions of faith, which is necessary. You need to do that. But sometimes you might be amazed at how far your confession of faith will go if you remove the spirit that's hounding your tracks a little bit. Now, how many believe that there obviously is spiritual activity going on? And I venture to say there's probably a whole lot more spiritual activity going on than you have ever given it credit for. There's a lot going on, all right? Now, Jesus gave us authority over that, right? Well, so he deals with them. It says, verse 41, And they feared exceedingly, saying to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? What Jesus is trying to say to them is, Don't you know who you are? You're asking again, even though they've been with him now for a little bit of, a bit, bit of time, they're seeing who they're, they already know who he is. But now this thing jarred them to the point that they're thinking to themselves, man, we don't even have a clue. Now that's key here today. So verse, five, or verse 1 of chapter 5, let's read through it. I know we've been reading this every week, but we're going to do it again. Then they came to the other side, right, uh, of the sea uh, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately. immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. All right? Now, the word unclean basically just uh, means impure. Um, the, uh, uses words like foul, demonic, impure, um, even times use the word evil. Sometimes Jesus refers to an unclean spirit. He might call it by another name once in a while, too. He'll call it maybe, uh, um, it says here, a tormented spirit. He might refer to it as, um, what was the one in here? He said, uh, a deaf and dumb spirit. He referred to it as an unclean spirit, but yet turn around and then would maybe uh, kind of be more specific. All right? Now, anytime there's one of these names in front, all it's doing is trying to define the character of the spirit that's involved. Are you still with me? Still with me? The word spirit, um, the, the Greek word for the word spirit is pneuma, all right? And uh, it's used in all, whether it's angelic, whether it's demonic, or whether it's dealing with your spirit. It's the same Greek word, okay? Now, for years, it used to bother me because I always thought, you know, it should be at least every, every spirit ought to have a little different, at least some kind of difference in the Greek word, right? Just because, you know, it just kind of seemed like, I mean, my spirit and the demonic spirit, it's the same word. It just, it just kind of always kind of struck me weird. But it ain't about the word. The word spirit, okay, deals with breath or wind. Come on, somebody. It deals with uh, literally the, um, well, let me give it to you all. I better give it to you. I don't want to miss, miss it up here. Uh, it means movement of air. It means vital principle or that which is crucial. 
Okay, it means a mental disposition, in other words, a mindset. All right, so every spirit, every spirit, whether it's Holy Spirit or demonic spirit or human spirit, all carries with it a breath, all carries with it a degree of influence or authority. Every spirit, okay, yours included, all right? Every spirit, all right, has a breath. And out of that breath, okay, that's why your words are so important. Because from behind that breath carries a mindset. Every spirit, amen, whether, see, the Holy Spirit has a different mental disposition or mental mindset, come on, than your spirit. Come on, hopefully yours begins to connect with his and you gain the same mindset, right? But until your mind is renewed, your spirit might have a little bit different mindset. Now, we definitely know that a demonic spirit versus the Holy Spirit are two entirely different mindsets. I don't think we need to go into a full class on that one. Am I right? The point is, every breath, or pardon me, every spirit is breathing something. And what we found out over the last couple weeks, especially, is that since the beginning, since Genesis, okay, God has been breathing into man. Now we know in Genesis 2, he breathed into Adam the breath of life, it says. And he then becomes, the word says, he became then a living being. Literally means a speaking spirit. So now all of a sudden he's breathed life, okay, breathed a spirit. See, without the body, pardon me, the body without the spirit is nothing. It just, it'll just fall off like an old, old suit. Are you hearing me? But with the spirit now it becomes living or alive. Okay, so he breathed life into it, and now Adam now becomes a living being or literally a speaking spirit, a spirit with breath. And in the beginning, you were made, right, in his likeness, after his image. Come on, right? Are you hearing me? All right, so now it's still true, but then there came another spirit. Now, For whatever it's worth, and I believe it's worthy of of mentioning, the garden was set up and designed, amen, to be a place where man communes and fellowships with God. It still is. The the Garden of Eden is still available, by the way. It's just not a physical location. Fire hose, right? <laughs> okay. Now, you can have Eden anytime you want. If you just learn to spend time and walk with God, what the patriarchs of faith did, they all walked with God, literally means they communed and fellowship with God, talked with God, literally means small talk. And every day they did that, God would breathe into them. What? What did he breathe into them? That which is vital. Amen. He would breathe into them a mental uh, a mindset, a mental disposition. He would breathe into him his ways, his principles. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? 
The word says that he uh, went after the fall, that he comes down and literally the word says the voice of the Lord came through into the garden in chapter 3 and verse 8 of Genesis. And it says that, that uh, he came to walk with them in the cool of the day, which means the word day means daily is what he did every day. And in the cool of the day doesn't refer to temperature. It refers to a breath. So he would come down every day and walk with them and breathe into them every day. And that breath is still available on a daily basis for you and me. The problem that happened there in Genesis is they started letting the wrong spirit breathe into them. Okay, now I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to Mark 5. So what happens here? Mark 5. Let's go back and see. So uh, somebody came out of the tombs at him with an unclean spirit. Everybody say an unclean spirit. Okay. And it said who had, uh, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Obviously people tried because he had often been bound with, often been bound, often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. So they tried either shackling him down or trying to tame him. Now I'm just trying to show you this is exactly what we try to do sometimes. We do our best to bind this, bind that, shackle this, chain that, or, or we try to just tame it. I can't get it to go away, so maybe if I tame it, maybe it just wouldn't, won't bother me as so much from day to day. You're bailing water again. Okay? When something's ongoing, when something's chronic, when something is around and it won't go away, I guarantee you, you are dealing with a spirit. Okay? Listen, some of you are getting all weirded out on me. I can just see it in your faces. Somewhere along the line, you got to say, you know what? Wait a minute. Uh, the unseen is real. There really is a heaven. There really is a hell. There really is angels. There really, is our, there really are demons. There really are. Now, we're not up here making you get all weird out so you're constantly doing this, looking for some evil spirit. You have to understand, he's given you authority. Amen. Matthew in chapter uh, 10 and verse 1 says that he's given you authority. He's given, he's, the word said he gave the disciples authority, power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of disease, and, and, or, pardon me, sickness and disease. Verse, uh, put verse 7 and 8 real quick. Let's just shove it up there real quick. Is it verse 7? It says, as you go, preach, saying to the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, here we go. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Give me Luke's account, Luke uh, is it 10 too? I think Luke 10 and 19 or 17. There we go. Now we see here it's 70. The first part was 12. Now we see the 70. So the point being, some people like to say, well, you know, that was, that was all given to the disciples. The Word says that they were supposed to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. So you have the same authority and dominion that they've been given. So in this particular case, in Luke's account, here it says there were 70 of them that went out and then they returned. They went out two by two and they came back. And they were excited because they said even the demons are subject to us, to us, 
in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And over. Now, again, I say this every time I read that. We're not saying go out there, play with snakes and scorpions. That's not what he's saying. He just says anything that has the ability to hurt you, harm you, you have authority over. That's what he's saying. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. In other words, this ought to be common to you. But what do you want? You rejoice at the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You're rejoicing in who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, the family that you belong to, the kingdom that you serve in. That's what, that's what you ought to be rejoicing about. All of this stuff about demonic spirits, they're all subject to you. That's like normal. Just take authority over it. You don't have to do an exorcism every time something's going on. Hollywood messed that up in your head. Come on now. We think, you know, the omen or some kind of crazy, you know, whoa. The whole time, Jesus said all of this. That's why he, when, when they were in the boat, he said, why are you so fearful? What is it with you? Where's your faith? Come on, guys, you could have done this. Just tell that thing to stop. You rebuke it. You take initiative. You put your best foot forward. You address it. You tell it where it needs to go. You tell it to stop. You tell it to go. You cast it off. You do it. Listen, you sit here and you're bailing water. You're trying to tame that thing. You're trying to chain it down, shackle it, shove it in the back closet, sweep it under the rug, whatever you're trying to do to somehow, you know, seem like life's still okay even though this is going on in my life, when it ain't okay because it's demonic in nature. you got to deal with it. And you might be amazed just by addressing that unclean spirit. Just by addressing it, telling it to cease from its maneuvers. Go in the name of Jesus. You might be amazed at how everything all of a sudden starts shifting for you, where now all of a sudden your confessions of faith begin to operate like they should. Where all of a sudden now you do got the peace of God. Where all of a sudden now you do know who you are. You're walking in some things and some abilities and power, amen, that God has granted you as a child of God. You might be amazed at what begins to take off and what begins to happen if you will address it. Don't sit in the boat yelling for God to deal with it when He's already given you the authority and dominion to handle it. Listen, I mean, Jesus, think about this. I mean, he, he not only rebukes the wind, he turns and rebukes them. And you think, you know, geez, that's, that's unfair, man. I mean, these guys, you know, they, they've never seen that happen before. I mean, Jesus, lighten up. Go back to take your nap.
And the whole time, he says, you could have handled this. Still with me? All right. I got a story for you, but I'll leave it go. We'll talk about it later. Back to Mark 5. So they couldn't tame him. It says night and day he was out in the mountains, verse 5 of chapter 5. He was out uh, in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. All of a sudden, he's tame. <laughs> and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Isn't it always amazing? I mean, just a few verses earlier, the disciples can't even figure out who he is. And they're walking with him every day. And one demon-possessed man walks out of the tombs and goes, Hey, I know you. Okay, anyway, just, just, just a thought. I implore you by God that you do not torment me, all right? In other words, he knows he's about, this is, it's about to change, okay? All right, and, and uh, Jesus then, uh, let's see where we at, verse 8 now, and he said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. Now, let's see, one, two, now this is New King James, so I don't know, maybe the Old King James is worded different, or maybe you have a different translation, but this particular statement here, we're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven words. Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Seven words. Now, there were some places, the scripture says that when he addressed an unclean spirit, he said, with a word, they would go. In other words, go! And they go. Then he asked, what is your name? Now, that's the only time he ever did this. We don't have any record of him ever doing that with anything else. Now, we don't know. Maybe he did that in one of those times when it says that he went in there and healed them all. We don't know. Maybe, maybe it happened in there, but we have no record of that. All we have record is this. The only time he addressed a spirit, okay, and you notice after he did, the, you know, the spirit said, my name is Legion for we are many. You notice he never did address him by the name. Wouldn't give him the satisfaction. Go. I think the only reason he asked the name is so everybody else there knows whether we're dealing with one or we're dealing with many, they're all subject to the name. Come on. They all have to bow the knee. Are you still with me? Now, last week we talked quite a bit about, uh, you know, how, what we, how we open the door for this, how we give place to the enemy, all right? And it's always going to be through the mental realm. I don't care what you're dealing with. You're talking about, as the word says, don't be ignorant of his devices. And it talks about the wiles of the devil. It talks about giving him place. It talks about taking every thought captive. All those areas that deal with the enemy and demonic influence and demonic uh, spirits, all, it's always dealing with the mental realm. Because somehow it's looking for an, a way in, amen, through the mind, through your thoughts, come on, through your emotions, we talked about that last week, how the word says, you know, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. The only thing he was talking about is don't sit here and stew on that mess because it's an open door. Then it goes, neither give place to the devil. You start stewing on stuff. You get emotionally caught up in stuff. And here we go. He slides on in kind of on the coattails of it, not even knowing it went in. Next thing you know, you're sitting here stewing on this. Stirring on it, stewing on it, and all you're doing is giving him place. And the word place literally means a foothold with consent. You've given it consent. You sit and stew on something long enough, what you do is you just get, you're given something consent. Because you have a choice what you're going to sit and think about. You have a choice whether you're going to stay angry or stay depressed. 
Come on, somebody. And I'm not making light of anybody's situation. You may have truly dealt with something or something came at you, something happened, something went down that created an emotion, and God gave you an emotion. But those emotions are not supposed to control you. And when you do, you don't realize that you just opened the door. Now you're given consent, and something slides in on the coattails of that, and you don't even realize it. Because we're too busy being moved by what we see and not by what we don't see. And that's why when you talk about casting out devils or uh, dealing with spirits, everybody gets a little nervous. Because we don't want to really talk about the unseen. Well, someday, um, it's going to be quite an awakening. To be absent from this body means to be present with the Lord. And believe me, there's another realm that you're going to experience in a split second. And if you don't want to stand there going, you might as well get a hold of it now and realize it's there. I'm sure there's a room up there somewhere where people come in and just and they just kind of escort you over to this room until you can kind of somewhat, you know, handle what's going on. Somebody says, is that really Ethel? Is that really? I don't know. I'm just saying. But I tell you, I'm amazed at how many people, you know, well, how many are going to heaven? Hey, man, I'm going to heaven. It's, a, it, it's you know, heaven's a real place. How many believe in angels? Amen. They're they're real. And just as real are demonic influences. Last week we talked out of Ephesians 6 about the different, uh, you know, demonic uh, authorities, you know, the principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly. All of them deal with demonic influence on some level. And all of them are subject to the name of Jesus. And it says, put on the armor of God. Amen. Stand against the wiles and the scheme and the plot of the enemy and just stand your ground who you are. It doesn't matter. Come on. Deal with me? All right. Go. Let's see. So let's see. We never did get the guy free yet, have we? Oh, yes, we did, right? So the guy got free. We don't want to leave him hanging there. Amen. So he gets free, right? Okay. Gets free. And uh, anyway, praise the Lord. So tells that spirit to go, and it goes, all right? Now, how many know uh, we have the same authority to do the same thing? Amen. All right, let's go to Genesis. Go back to Genesis because we've got to go somewhere with this. Are you doing okay? Whew. Okay. Got to turn that fire hose down a little bit. All right, here we go. All right, now um, go up to verse 1 of chapter 3, please. 3-1. Three, all right. And this kind of spins us into what we got to do, finish today, okay, or get done today. <clears throat> now, uh, now the serpent. Everybody say the serpent. Okay. Now, remember, you have authority over the serpent. And they had authority over the serpent, okay. But, um, and this, of course, uh, you know, uh, not that the, the animal itself is, is wrong, but it's, uh, it's what's the spirit that's right now in it right now, Okay. So now the spirit, or probably the serpent, okay, which I guess 
could probably give you the way, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, okay, has God indeed said you shall not eat? Come on, what did he say? Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, is that what he said? What did he say? Chapter 2, um, I, I didn't give him this, but back in verse um, 16 of chapter 2, and the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you shall freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. So he said, Of every tree you can eat except for this one. So the enemy comes in and says, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You say, Well, what? Now, it might seem just technical. But what he's doing, he's cunning. So what he's trying to do is get her convinced that God's holding out on her. Listen, you got an ear to hear today? Um, believe me, you're going to want to hear this thing. So next week, we will, no, no, this week, amen. So anyway, he was cunning, right? Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said, she said then, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Now, God didn't say that. God just says, don't eat of it. They still had to tend it. I believe, just my own opinion, just an opinion. I'm sure I'm right, but it is an opinion. I believe that Adam added the last part there. Woman, just stay away from that tree. Don't touch it. I'll deal with it. I'll tend to it. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know. I could be wrong. Okay. And someday my wife's going to say, see, you were wrong. No. Anyway, no, she might. She might agree with me actually on that one. So anyway, I believe God just said, don't eat of it. But Adam said, don't even touch it. Just stay away. All right. And the serpent said to the woman, verse 4, you shall not surely die. Now, all it is is it is mental manipulation going on here. That's all it is. Now, hang on to that. Mental manipulation. Are you still with me? I said, are you with me? Okay. And really, manipulation is all about, is about the handling of information. Okay. This is all that's happening. So what the enemy has done, he's cunning. He just kind of manipulated, mishandled the words a little bit. What's he looking for? I'm get, he's looking for access. Ah, it's never changed. It's never changed. If you figure him out, woo! Because it's never changed. You can figure out. If you get a hold of the beginning of Genesis, I guarantee you, this thing works for you. So he gains access. All right? So God, uh, let's see, verse, uh, where are we at here? Verse Four again, let's read that again. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Verse 5, for God knows. See, this, this God is holding out on you. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. They already were like God. They were already made in His image and after His likeness.
So he weasels his way in there. So when the woman, oh, so what happened was, see, got distracted, got her looking, and all of a sudden she's looking at it different. She saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. And if you really want to know, this is how temptation always works. It's never changed. It's never changed. Okay, same thing. We can take you verse by verse, even in the New Covenant. Same thing. James 1 especially deals with this whole thing. It's how it all works. Get you first distracted. Get you looking at it. Pretty soon you start justifying it. Come on, somebody. Next thing you know, you're doing it. It's how it works. So it become pleasant to the eyes. So in other words, okay, now, it, in a sense, she's, uh, her understanding of it has just shifted. She's taken on now a different mindset. Why? Because something else is breathing into her. And because, you know, Adam is infatuated with her, Okay, that's another sermon. <laughs> Pleasant to the eyes, and the tree, it was desirable one to make one wise. She took of its fruit, and she ate, and also then gave to her husband with her, and he ate. He wasn't very far away. He was right there. Come on, somebody. And it did say the eyes of both of them were open, and then they, they knew that they were naked, and that they began to immediately start fixing it. Let's start bailing water. Let's start binding this and let's start taming this. And you know what? Now that we're naked, we better, we better, you know, they're no more naked now than they were before. Come on, except for the glory's gone now. Come on. So it is different. And they knew it's different. They begin to stitch fig leaves, which is always man's attempt to fix something. A lot of people are stitching fig leaves. Look at your neighbor and say, no more fig leaves. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> all right. So they're stitching fig leaves and made themselves coverings. And then all of a sudden now they're hearing God coming for his daily stroll with them to communicate and breathe into them. And now they're hiding, which is no different than what we do. We've blown it. We've messed up. We've done this. We've crossed lines. We don't, you know, we don't know who we are. God comes along and we try to hide and, you know, and, and somehow stitch fig leaves and keep ourselves hidden. And the whole time, God is wanting to breathe into us. Amen. And amen gets you aware who you are, what you have, what you're called to, what you can be, what, you, what you're called to fulfill. All these are things that God wants to breathe in you. But when you're too busy hiding... And too busy stitching fig leaves because something else has been breathing into you. Are you hearing me? Okay. Now, with that said, um, let's go to the book of Acts. Okay. The book of Acts. Chapter 16. No, no, no. Second Corinthians. Let's do that verse first. Yes, it will make sense. Okay, we've read this. Look at it again. But I fear, verse 3, 
But I fear, 11.3, 2 Corinthians. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent, everybody say serpent, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted. Meaning the same way he did it with, that, with Eve, amen, it's the same way he's going to try to do it with you. It's no difference, okay? So that your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ, amen. And how many know it is simple? The, the, the gospel's simple. We just, we just let everything else come along and breathe into us, and then it complicates everything. It's really a simple deal. But everything else, if we're constantly living, listening to everything else, it becomes then complicated. Okay, anyway. For he who comes, pre- if, if, if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. In other words, you may well take it on or receive it or accept it. That's what he says, okay? Now, you notice, okay, we said this, I think, last week a little bit, that it talks about another Jesus, preaches another Jesus. Well, anybody say, well, yeah, you, well, yeah, that's, yeah we can't receive that. And down here it says something about a different gospel, different message. Yeah, yeah we, we can't receive that. But it says a different spirit. So the potential even to receive a different spirit is there for a believer. This is talking to the church. This ain't talking to the world. Talking to the church. So we say, now wait a minute. Do you really believe that, that uh, Christians can be possessed? I ain't talking about possession. It don't have to be possession. All he's got to do is just find a little seat up there in your mind and control your life left and right. That's all he needs, just a little place up there to sit down. That's all he's looking for. And if he's there long enough, the word calls it a stronghold. Now he's literally, he's, he's fortified it. He builds walls. And then controls from there. And you're still heaven bound. You're still got, you know, a, a spirit that's alive unto God. But in the, in the mind, in the soul, he comes in there, weasels his way in there, and then begins to dictate his way of thinking. Come on, somebody, which then controls you. He's a cunning little serpent. The word craftiness in verse 3. Craftiness, uh, adroitness. I I, I had to look that one up. It just means skillful handling. Okay, same thing that would happen in Genesis uh, chapter 3. To be cunning, sophistic, which means false and deceptive reasoning. He just manipulates the wording a little bit. Now, hang on, this is all, we're going somewhere with this. Okay, so that's all he does. Okay, now, now um, the scripture says this, um, to, be, to not believe every spirit. And we read that, I think, the last couple of weeks in 1 John. So there's all kinds of spirits talking and trying to breathe, trying to influence you. Still with me? Yeah. Okay, now Acts 16. Acts 16. Acts 16. Okay. Verse 16, please. It says, Now it happened as uh, we went, this is Paul here, Paul and Silas, as we went uh, to prayer, and a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Okay. This girl followed Paul and us, and cried out, saying, These men 
are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Sounds pretty good. Doesn't sound off. Hmm. Doesn't sound off. And this she did for many days. Everybody say many. See, if something's persistent, something's chronic, if something, there's probably a spirit behind it. And he was annoyed. It's like, woman, shut up. And we don't know the whole, you know, uh, dynamics of it. All we know is she just keeps saying the same thing. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the ways of salvation. Carry on, Paul. He's getting ready to say something. These men... And people are like, oh, cool. And it could be they knew this girl. Uh, could, maybe not. Maybe they just, they may, they're just, you know, hearing what she said. But what's happening is finding a way in. Manipulating the circumstance. And finally, Paul had enough. Right? Remember, ever say many days. Now he's annoyed, and he said, He turned to that and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now all her masters are all mad because they know now their prophets are going to go down the toilet because she was pretty good at what she did. Spirit of divination. Well, most of the time, you know, you read that, you think about that word, and all you think about maybe is fortune-telling, you know, some girl in the back room. You, you go through the curtain, and you walk in, and she's got her little crystal ball, and, you know, ooey-gooey, rich and chewy. Got her incantation, whatever you call it, amen. Or maybe it's the person that studies the stars, and as the stars move and stuff, they, they start making... Uh, you know, fortune-telling through that. Or maybe they come in with a little bag of bones and throw it onto the table, and whichever way the bones are switched, it determines a direction. And we all that's what we all just kind of think about divination, about fortune-telling, whatever. Are you hearing me? But it ain't, it, ain't just, it ain't just that, okay? Are you with me? Or am I boring you with all this? All right, now, okay, so it's all, it's all necessary to hear this. All right, so divination, <clears throat> the Greek word here, puthon. Actually, first word defined is python, okay, which also means an inspiration, refers to a diviner, soothsayer, fortune teller, occultic, something occultic, but it, here's what the Latin bring out. The Latin, this word means to foresee or to be inspired by a god, not the god, a god, hello. The word python in Latin means serpent. So what he just cast out was the spirit of the serpent. Okay. Puthon or python, okay, 
uh, comes from the word putho, which is a region uh, where the seat of, a, of the famous oracle Delphi or Pythia resides. So what happens is this is all, this is basically like um, a religion in a sense, okay? Uh, and it all, they're all pulling information from a different source. Are you still with me? All right, and from that, Okay, they go around that region. In fact, if you go there, there's temples all around that region that come out of this same, it has this one location, one main location, which, by the way, in its day was referred to the navel of the earth. The center or the navel of the earth. Okay, which is where supposedly, okay, Greek mythology, where Apollo... Okay, the God of knowledge, come on somebody, and a whole bunch of other things. You say, what do we do with this? I don't know, give it to him. You be the God of that. Okay, whatever. So it's mythology, but it's where Apollo, which is one of Zeus's sons, come on, killed the serpent that guarded the navel of the earth, where all information supposedly comes from. I want you to know Apollo never did exist. But the serpent is still living. But nobody's going to believe a snake sitting on a throne talking to you. They're going to go, you know, I don't think I want to listen to you. But you put a nice pretty face, come on, or a superhero. Come on, sit on that throne. And all of a sudden now they say the same things, and all of a sudden now it becomes kind of believable. And by the way, he doesn't have horns in a pitchfork. But he is a cunning, crafty, amen, serpent. Are you still with me? still operates, okay? So what's going on is information gets fed. And that spirit is still trying to breathe into mankind. And it'll twist things, maneuver things, manipulate things, bring something that, man, that, that sounds right. You know, it must be right because it, Seems right. And pretty soon, you're not thinking like you should be thinking. You're thinking something else because you got the wrong spirit breathing into you. And to you, it's 100% accurate. Right, because you've taken on the same mindset. Even though you're born again. Okay, let's go another step further. So let's see. Today you can actually say you went from Genesis to Revelation. So we're going to the book of Revelation. Let's do that. Okay. Chapter 12. <sighs> Revelations 12. You all doing good? Yeah. All right. Taking her down the home stretch here. All right. <clears throat> Revelations chapter 12, 
And we're going to read um, verse, let's read, yeah, we'll start verse 7, read down to verse 12. It says, and, the, and war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and the dragon and his angels fought, okay? And they did not prevail, talking about the dragon, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Of course, this, you know, all, they've all been, what, cast down. So the great dragon, here we go, was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, just in case you don't, we don't know who he's talking about. Who's the serpent of old? The devil or Satan, how you want to word it. Come on. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. What? And his angels were cast out with him. Now, we know according to chapter 20, okay, they get thrown into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, which later then, after the thousand years, are released for a short season because of basically from that thousand years, God is reigning. Come on. This is a whole other sermon, but, uh, but the bottom line is, okay, then for a short season, we're going to find out if everybody at that time is still going to choose life, they're going to choose God or not. Then it says, just later on in the chapter, it says he's now thrown into the lake of fire forever. That's it. Done. And again, he's referred to as the serpent. The serpent of old. So the serpent is still around. Just, just for whatever it's worth. I, I mean, maybe this is just a little tidbit, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. But python, okay, a python. Nothing wrong. If you want to have a python, that's your, that's your business. You can have a python. But um, a python, um, the word says in Genesis 3, later on in Genesis 3, after uh, the whole fall and everything, he addressed the serpent, he addressed Adam, and, or the woman, and then he addressed Adam. And basically he said, this is what's going to happen to you for what, what has just happened in the garden. And he addressed the serpent, and he says, on the ground, on your belly, you shall be for the rest of your life, eating dust. Which means, you used to have legs. Just a thought, chew on it, whatever. Okay, now, python, um, you know, there's a lot of different breeds. I think there's like over 30 different breeds of a python. And, um, but a python has what they call spurs, which when you look at their skeletal, uh, you know, structure, it used to be something that was. Now, just saying, you can chew it, spit it out, flush it. It's all good. Won't bother me one bit. But python, so the serpent used to crawl his way. Now he's caught, cursed to the ground. Come on, somebody. And I'm just, uh, just saying, naturally, something obviously happened with the serpent, with the python. Just saying. Now, back to the serpent of old. In chapter 12 here of Revelation, what is he doing? What is he known for deceiving deception but what's it also say is it verse uh the verse 10 or verse 11 let's see it's verse 10 isn't it it says that he's the accuser of the brethren accusing them before god day and night now how many know he's not allowed before god anymore he's been cast down that's what it means so he's no longer can go before god to accuse you 
but he can go to you or he can go to others about you and make accusations. How does he do that? He's cunning. He's crafty. Now remember, we're talking about, we're talking about sometimes you're full of shame, guilt, condemnation, stuff. It's an ongoing thing, and there are some of you, it is ongoing. You should know right now you're the righteousness of God. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. The blood of Jesus paid a price for you. Come on, somebody. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, somebody. All right? But still, the enemy still holds sway over you because of your past or a mistake that you've made because he's so good at it. I'm telling you, you're letting the wrong spirit breathe into you. If that still haunts you, if you still feel shame, guilt, condemnation, now it's one thing to be condemned, another thing to be convicted. Conviction is a different thing. When the Spirit of God begins to talk to you about something, you go, oh, you're right. I need to stop, change, make a difference here. Amen. And you make a difference. But condemnation is never for the believer. Shame is never for the believer. But there are many who are under that because of the spirit of the serpent. Dilusia, he's still breathing. He's still trying to control. And it's not even just what he speaks into you, about you, but what he'll speak to others about you. That's where it comes. The spirit of divination. Breathe into you about somebody else. And pretty soon we're sitting here judging one another. Come on, somebody. Accusing one another. Thinking we know. Oh, yeah, I know about you. You don't have a clue. You don't know what that person's been through. You have no idea where they've come from, where they've come out of. You have no idea of what the enemy hounds them with. And you're sitting back here trying to accuse them because you're listening to the wrong spirit. And we've allowed that little sucker, numerous little... Get us all caught up. Why does he do that? Well, multiple reasons. Number one is to divide because there's power in unity. So we divide. See, most marriages, most churches that deal with division, strife, contention, come out of this spirit. It gets in the middle, over here and over here, and just breathes. And if you're not breathing in God every day, Every, you got to remember, there's something else going to be breathing in you. And pretty soon, it just finds a little way in. Next thing you know, it's like, you hear what he said today. Oh, my God, talking about a snake. Oh, my God. I had to hear that. Yeah, he did. Well, I just don't. 
that person over there, that, ah, people. Pretty soon you got a husband against a wife, a wife against a husband. You got a church member against another church member. You got an employer against employee, employee against employer. And the whole time it's that little spirit that just kind of gets in there and just kind of starts breathing. Because that's what he does. He's so good at it. And, he, and you get to thinking, well, <laughs> I know. I happen to know that guy's a dingling. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know. Sure you do. Sure you do. Because now it's a mindset. And pretty soon all you're seeing is every little negative thing. And you just add that to your repertoire. Did I say that word right? Did I? Wow, I said that word right. <laughs> now get this, okay? We'll close it with this, all right? Get this. One of the big things that happens with this, this spirit, okay, is it's trying to, what it's trying to do is to, it's trying to pervert discernment. Are you with me? It's all trying to do, really, it's to pervert discernment. Since God's given you discernment, to know right from wrong, good from bad. Come on. Be able to discern things that what bears fruit, what doesn't. But true discernment, get this now, true discernment gives you an arsenal to help or ammo for to help, to benefit the kingdom, to bring unity, which then thus brings power. That's what true discernment does. Divination gives you an arsenal to hurt, ammo against. Are you getting this? to afflict the kingdom, to divide it, to bring weakness. What it's doing. So when we let that breathe into us, ultimately what it's trying to do is divide you from another. Now it starts off, it seems, you know, these men, these men come from the Most High God to show you the way of salvation. These men are truly of God. Listen and hear them. What are they doing? Pretty soon it's like, hmm. And then all of a sudden, now they walk out of town, go into the next town, and she begins to talk other things. And now they have a way in because, well, you know, she... She called that right. I mean, that, that appeared right. She must know what she's talking about. Yeah. And all of a sudden now she has an inroad into their life, into those people's lives. That's how the serpent works. Takes something off a truth, perverts it. Come on, somebody. Twists it, manipulates it to get somehow or another in where all of a sudden you buy into it, and the next thing you know, it takes you down another road. Remember that what seems right ends up in the road of death, it says. What seems right. Right? What seems right. So you don't want to go down what just seems right. You want to know what is right. So, uh, so what we need to do is let the spirit of truth Breathe into us on a day-to-day -day basis. So the spirit of error 
Come on. Doesn't have a right now or can't somehow manipulate and maneuver its way in. That's why it says take every thought captive. Cast down vain imaginations and, and all that manipulative stuff and all that stuff that tries to elevate itself above God, above God's ways and word. Take every thought captive. Why? Because do I really want to take that one in? You know what? It kind of sounds right, but yeah, I'll be stitching fig leaves before the week's out. I'm done with this. Come on. And pretty soon we're going down that road and we think we're justified. We think that we got, we got the, the revelation. And all you got was deceived. So, why don't you all stand up? <clears throat> Matthew 12 43. Put that on the board, Kelly. Thank you. When I was in prayer before service, I felt like this verse had to come up. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. It just ain't never going to find rest. And all spirit ain't done. So then he says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to return to my house. In other words, where he's been cast out, right, from which I came. And when, it, when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. How many of that kind of seems right, right? Don't you think that if you cast him out, clean up the house, sweep it up, clean it up, make it right, put everything in order, right? But then, verse 45 says, then he goes, you think, whoo, there's more room in here now. Because when he was there, he's an unclean spirit, so he's a clutter sucker. <laughs> I mean, there's just clutter everywhere. So he gets cast out, they go in, they clean up, they sweep, they sweep. Bring order, clean it up. He comes back and goes, whoo, more room. So he goes, gets seven others, even more wicked than himself, that they may enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. And we think, well, Pastor, that is not a service, or pardon me, a verse to close on. <laughs> I don't want to leave here thinking I'm in a worse state or something. Listen, you still have the same authority. Say it doesn't matter. But the point is, go back to verse 44. The point is, you don't just cast him out and then sweep up the house and leave the house empty. See, we're talking about you got to now let God continually breathe into you. Amen. Because if you're going to cast out this thing and then go about business as usual, it's only a matter of time. Here he comes with all of his cousins. And you know as well as I do, when one evil thought bumps into another evil thought, we have puppies. Right? And it can get worse. So you have to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, continue to not only take authority over anything out there that needs to be taken authority, but I'm going to let God every day breathe into me. Spend some time with God. Commune with God. Fellowship with God. Keep the house full of the right stuff. And that little pesky sucker won't be able to move back in again. Are you still with me? And that's how this thing works. All right? So anyway, did you get something today? Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Whew. I appreciate you letting me get...
through that. Amen. Father, we give you praise and glory once again. We're thankful and grateful for your word. And Father, thank you for some of this insight, some of the answers maybe, getting some clarity on some things, praise God. We thank you, Lord, that we can walk in authority and dominion, that no matter what unclean spirit, what demonic thing, what, what kind of uh, demonic influence might be there, we know that in the name of Jesus, it's got to go, praise God. And we thank you for our authority and dominion. And we stand in agreement right now that all unclean spirits, anything that would dictate or, or try to control these lives of these people, our family members, we command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the peace of God, for the joy of the Lord, for the love of God. Hallelujah, for your presence, your goodness. Hallelujah, your mercy. Hallelujah, filling up that house, filling up that person, filling up that household, filling up that church. Praise God, doing a glory work and for that we give you praise in the name of Jesus can you agree with that hallelujah thank you for joining us for this message we'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services we understand that many do not have a home church and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.